quarterbacks, I love you. Not really. But the thing is, it's not for everybody. Sometimes you're going to get hurt. It's just what it is. All right? I need to separate you from the ball. 13 seasons of professional football can go by in a flash. And I was grateful for every second of it. This game gave me everything, not without taking a few pieces of me along with it. Playing offensive line, it's been one of the most rewarding and fulfilling experiences of my life. Now, thanks to Audible, I look forward to sharing insights and stories with you of our favorite NFL stars, and of course, the fraternity of athletes that protect them. Offensive linemen are eternally bonded, and I am proud to forever be a part of the Blocking Brotherhood. I'm Ryan Khalil, and this is Block Forever. Welcome back to Block Forever. I'm your host, Ryan Khalil, and this, my friends, is the final episode of the season. Now, whether you've been listening since episode one with Christian McCaffrey or you found the show midway through the season, I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as I have making it. I hope you learned a few things. That was my goal all along, to have these conversations with NFL players and personnel that really help, I mean, selfishly, myself and fans have a better understanding of the game that we all know and love. I've had such a blast making this show. I want to give a big special thanks to Audible for giving me this opportunity to reconnect with some of my favorite players. I'm talking about guys like Jared Allen, Clay Matthews, Andrew Whitworth, Steve Smith, just to name a few. I've also really enjoyed getting to know some of the current players that I've admired from my sofa, eating potato chips, but didn't know a whole lot about. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. If you've missed any of these episodes, please make sure to dig back into the archives. These conversations were meant to be evergreen and timeless, so they should be just as good now as they were when they were first released. All right, today's show. I've got three great guests. First up, this is a guy who was a huge pain in the ass to play against and a player who really changed the mold of how we think of defensive ends. I'm talking about former Indianapolis Colts great Dwight Freeney. During the interview, I also brought on my brother. I had to make him tell the story of the time Dwight ended up beating him on this embarrassing game-ending sack when Dwight was playing for the Cardinals. He's just a special player. And later in the show, I'm going to speak with a couple former University of Iowa offensive linemen who are just killing it these days. First, we have Ravens rookie Tyler Linderbaum, who has already solidified himself, in my opinion, as one of the best, most physical centers in the game. And he's somebody who looks like he'll be a perennial All-Pro for the next decade. After that, I check in with Brandon Scherf of the Jaguars, who offensive line aficionados already know is one of the best guards in the entire league. So please enjoy all three of these amazing conversations. And as always, quick reminder to watch Thursday Night Football only on Amazon Prime. This week, we got Dak Prescott. His Cowboys are traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans, so let's check out that one. That should be a good one. Once again, thank you to all the fans listening. I look forward to catching up with you in the near future. But first, my conversation with Colts legend Dwight Freeney. Dwight, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. How you been? I've been good. Well, I appreciate you doing this. So much respect and appreciation, love for you, man, and and dreaded all those years we got to go against you. So uh, I'm excited to get to know you a little bit more and get into your psyche a little bit about all those battles and pick your brain about the game. But I got the first thing I got to ask you: What do you love most about Sundays? 
the competitive. It was just the, the competition. It, for me, that's what gets me going. You know, that's the juice. That's the, okay, lights are on. Everything that you prepared for comes down to this moment. This guy, mano y mano in a, in a sense, and it will never be replicated ever again, as you know, ever in your life, ever again. It's kind of like, you know, you sit there and you you watch the gladiator on, on TV or movie and the guy walks into an arena and there's a, a hundred thousand Romans screaming or whatever the line is, whatever. It's no different for us. You know, we went into an arena and there was 80,000 people screaming and shouting and that juice and that energy that you feel will never be replicated ever again in your life. You're done. <laughs> so it's in, it was a drug. It was my drug. That's, and that's something that I will always miss. So what was your mentality like when you, 2002, as a rookie, you get to, you get to the Colts? What changes for you then going from sort of living in the moment? It's got to be hard. At least it was for me to not think ahead of like, what is this going to look like? I know you have your sort of immediate kind of rookie moments, but at what point do you start letting it all sink in and kind of look a little bit ahead? When I got there as a rookie, it was being thrown in the deep end of the pool. You know, we, I went against a guy named Atarik Glenn, offensive tackle for um, Indy for years. Probably one of the most underrated offensive tackles out there. He was just a beast. And when you watch him, you never really seen him get beat, even by the best pass rushers at that time. You know, he always protected Payne's blindside. And I got the luxury of going against that guy every single day in practice. And when I tell you he was a load, man, it, he gave me all I wanted during practice. It was like, you know, come here, rookie, throwing me across the field. I mean, he, his, his, his arms were as big as, as my thighs, you know, and, you know, all that cute bull rush stuff that I was doing in college, moving guys. You know, this this is a grown bear, man. He's he's laughing at me as he <laughs> throws me across the line. So, for me, I um, got thrown deep end, and it was just like, look, my mentality was, man, I got to dominate this practice. You know, as a defensive lineman, that offensive lineman knows exactly what you're gonna do. He knows your moves. He knows your timing of things. He kind of right. so for me to beat that guy in practice. It would be a huge achievement. He was an all-pro guy, you know, pro bowler guy, all right? And I'm this young rookie trying to figure out, you know, how to make it out here. And he's seeing all my moves, so I had to get really good at it. And that was my mentality in practice. And that's when you start having that type of mentality, Ryan, from the beginning when it's so micro, all right? automatically the bigger things kind of take care of itself. Because if you're so focused on beating this dude in front of you during a Wednesday practice, and a Thursday, when he knows what moves you're going to do and you still have to figure out a way to fool him, that's the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. And then when you get to a game, that guy don't got a chance because he has no idea what I'm going to do other than some film. Right. But I know what film he's watching. I know those types of things. He hadn't seen me, you know, and especially, you know, when I came out because people weren't built like me at defensive end. There were six, five guys, 285 guys who ran four, eight, 
four seven strong. I was a guy that was gonna be quick, fast, explosive, but make you miss when you're on your toes, run you over. I was doing all those types of things. Um, but when I was younger, it was all predicated on speed. And I knew they didn't see a guy with my speed, so it was going to make him feel uncomfortable. They always say Freeney's the inventor of the spin move. <laughs> You've heard that, I'm sure, a bunch. What do you think when you hear that? Well, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great feeling, man. Um, I don't know if I invented it, to be quite honest with you. I didn't see anybody really doing that move when I was a kid. You were taught never to turn your back to the quarterback. That's how you right. caught, right? And... You know, for me, I was a big fan of N1 mixtapes back in the 90s. And that was something where, you know, I wanted to kind of bring the football. And so, I, you know, I was out in the practice field one day working with one of my teammates and I wanted to embarrass a guy that was trying to block me. And I just said, you know what, I'm gonna make him completely look silly and miss, make him completely whiff. So I started getting shifty with it. I started moving and I started spinning and I would make guys miss miss and miss and the more that i did it the easier it became for me and i said man i think i got something here <laughs> and, and then i just carried on with it now the guys spin back in the day maybe when they got blocked and they had to get out of a block sure you know they'll spin there what have you or accidentally spin into something but the frequency of of actually planning it using it the way that i used it i didn't see anybody man you know one of the things i remember about you was you were so great at setting up moves. I mean, the, your spin move was obviously impressive, but it doesn't work unless you have some other tools in, in your arsenal. You know, you could come downhill and even being considered an undersized guy, you could come downhill and bull rush the hell out of tackles and get under their pads. I know on one of those games, I got one uh, in my chest from you one time, but then also you could rush outside, you could get outside. And then you had that vicious spin move inside. And, you know, for those that understand the game, when you play against a guy like yourself, sometimes it is a guessing game. And I know this, too, from talking with my brother. You had a vicious uh, game-ending sack on my brother that he always talks about. <laughs> but we talked about that game when you were in Arizona. And uh, I had my brother walk me through what he was thinking on that last play. And you got that sack. Yeah, it was uh, at Arizona. I think we're around like on the 20 and we could kick a field goal to tie the game, probably going to overtime. There must've been about 10, 15 seconds left. And it was second or third down. I, I can't remember exactly, but um, instead of kicking the field goal to be safe, it's like, all right, well, let's try one more play. See how we can go take a shot uh, in the end zone. And here comes Dwight Freeney on my side, all game, he was rushing upfield, and um, to his credit, he was probably waiting for that moment where he was setting speed every play and getting me to open up a little bit and just run him upfield. So he got off the ball, got a pretty good jump, and I opened up a little too early. Spins inside, sacks Teddy, fumble, they recover it, and then game over. And you know, it's the the shameful walk to the locker room and you, you sit down. No one wants to look you in the eye and you just know you you blew the game. I mean, that's coming from an offensive lineman point of view. But talk me through what your thought process is on the other side of that. Well, for me, everything that you guys do is based on timing, technique. OK, everything, your, your steps, your kicks, your punches, when you punch, 
my job was to get you all messed up all off of that rhythm. I want you to step and step real quick. I want your balance to be off. I want you to punch at the wrong time. And so my whole, I guess, process here of mentality of what I do was to get you off of what you like to do. I want your timing to be off. So what do you do? Bull rush. How does he stop that? Hmm, that's pretty good. Speed around the corner. Does he kick out and get me? Yeah, he did. Okay, but why? Was it, you know, did it a three-step drop? Was it a five-step drop? Was it a step? Oh, okay, got it. So I'm out there just doing all of that throughout the entire game, um, trying to make you feel uncomfortable as possible. If you're so aggressive, I'm going to make you miss because I'm going to use your momentum against you. I mean, you punch, you're going to be punching air. I'm going to be spinning. I'm going to be ducking under your arms. I'm going to be, oh, here his punch comes on his third, fifth step, boom, chop, rip, you know, whatever is around the corner. Because um, more guys who are aggressive are more timing type of guys. Okay, guys who are soft setters who like to sit soft, they're not as, as aggressive. So they are a little bit more like, okay, like grabby, grabby and all that stuff. Yeah. So those are all things that are going through my head, Ryan, as I'm going. But my number one thing is just to make you feel as uncomfortable as possible as this game goes on. By the fourth quarter, I didn't figure you out because you're not going to change much. You actually can't change much. It's been drilled into your head. I can line up wherever I want. I can do whatever move I want. You, one, two, three, punch. Okay, what is it? Uh, screen. One, two, three, four. You know what I mean? And that's just what it is. So it's kind of, that's what I figured out. So that's why I tell the young guy. I always remember we'd have game plans against really dominant defense alignment to try to keep them out of the game, you know, whether it was double teaming them or bringing in fullbacks, guys to crack. And I always remember guys getting really upset and yelling at us, why don't you let me go one-on-one, let me go one-on-one, trying to convince somebody like we had some kind of power in the scheme that we could just start calling off the dogs. But I got to tell you, having Mathis on the other side really helps with that conundrum for you. How great was it playing opposite of him? We couldn't just circle you. You got to pick your poison with you guys. You, you definitely had to. But But that being said, they did do a game, do game plans to protect both sides. So they'll come in uh, 12 personnel, you know, or, or, you know, and they'll have two tight ends, one guy on this side, one guy on that side. It'll be King's personnel, tight end be off, this, off the ball. He's chipping me, Robert's getting chipped on the other side. So for me, I saw a steady diet of double teams until, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know when it stopped. It stopped probably in year 13 or 14 or something like that, where I, I got a little freedom to do what I wanted to do. And I get pissed off when I got double teamed when I was like 36. I'm like, guys, I can't, <laughs> you leave me alone, right? That was my life. My, my journey, Ryan, to 10 sacks a year was like a monumental type of thing for me because I knew I was, the guy was getting circled, red circled. I was going to get all types of attention and double team the entire game. And, and I, I just knew it was going to be a fight. Right. And then I, then I go home, turn on the TV and I see other guys just get these, you know, single blocks and, you know, you see a guy beat a tight end. You see a guy just beat a running back and they're getting all these sacks and stats. 
And I'm sitting here with like an ice pack here, an ice pack there, and something on my head like, where is that? But it is what it is. Who would you say are some of the current guys getting after quarterbacks that you like to watch? Yeah, you see Miles Garrett. He's a guy who can bend the corner. You know, he's just a problem. <laughs> he's, he can make it. He can. He spins now. He does. He has the outside leverage. He's speed. He's tall. So, you know, guys like that. You know, uh, T.J. Watt is another gun. He's a, he's a guy I see a lot. Of, I see him spinning inside. I, I love it. He uses his speed. He's a very intelligent type of rusher. Um, that, those are guys that I like in the game today where I sit there and I watch them. I'm like, man, this guy, I get excited when I sit there and watch him. Oh, he got him now. He's going to set him up. Oh, he's going to get him. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's the fraternity. That's the, you know, the brotherhood of guys who love hitting quarterbacks. We love to cheer other guys on that hits quarterbacks as much as you can hit them now, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? And as much as the game's changed, protect all these guys. But it, it's terrible because, you know, Ryan, you're messing with the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. And and everybody gets everybody has a job to do. Okay? That quarterback has a job to do. That offensive lineman has a job to do. You know, that defensive lineman has a job to do. And obviously, people who are making these changes in these rules have never played defensive line ever in their life. And if they did, they would understand how unfair those rules are. If I'm running, I got about three seconds to get to the quarterback. I'm not just running you know, skipping along, trying to get the sack and no one's touching me and whatever. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, come here. Let me give you a little sack. Give me sack you. No, I am fighting against a guy who's 330 pounds, whatever. He doesn't want to get beat. He's, he's fighting for his job and his life. So I'm doing all types of moves and spins and all that stuff. My equilibrium's all over the place. I got hit in the head. I don't, I'm hitting him, all types of stuff. And I finally find a way to get back to the quarterback. And you're trying to tell me in that very moment, I got to sit here and say, okay, I have a strike zone. I can't hit him too high. I can't hit him too low. I can't put my weight on him. And if I get to him by a miracle, because we understand is that out of everything that happens in, in the game from a statistic standpoint, a sack is where you fail the most. I can rush the quarterback 40 times, 30 times, and I have lost 30 times or 40 times, but I get one. <laughs> I get one, Ryan, and I'm a success. That's how hard that thing is. All right, so if I finally get back there and you guys are going to throw a flag said saying that I landed on the guy with my weight? Are you kidding me? What is that? <laughs> what is that? Can, can we get rules like that? Can, can I not get hit with my weight? On, and no one pancake me and off at the line gore me? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, where is that, man? I just don't understand it. Bro. Oh, what about, here's another one. What about cut blocks? Should, should offense linemen be able to cut block or get rid of that too? Listen, listen, you guys can cut. I don't have a problem with cutting. I have a problem with, obviously, one guy holding you up and chop blocking you, and then the other guy hitting you, all right? But if they want to cut, we were taught how to protect ourselves. This game, they're trying to make this game into something that it really isn't. It's a controlled, violent type of game, all right? And that's what we're doing. It's a lot of violence in it, and it's controlled, all right? And this is not for everybody. It really isn't. 
Okay, quarterbacks, I love you. Not really. But the thing is, it's not for everybody. Sometimes you're going to get hurt. It's just what it is. All right. I need to separate you from the ball. That's what I need to do. And how am I going to do that? Well, you got to probably hit you a little bit harder to do so. And that's just what it is. You know, one of the things, Dwight, I've been really fascinated with is trying to dissect why certain teams seem to be winning more consistently than others. And something that comes up a lot is leadership, especially starting at the coaches level. When I talk to former Colts players, the one thing I always hear about is Tony Dungy and how special he was. Players have nothing but great things to say about him. What about Coach Dungy made him so special as a, as a head football coach? Well, I think it first starts with how he carries himself and you know, how he treats everybody. He wasn't a yeller and he wasn't a screamer. He wasn't going to dog cuss you, none of that. He was a guy that treated you like a man. You know, he didn't treat you like a kid. And he, he drafted guys with high character. And um, he had a system where it was, he didn't over, overcomplicate it. Everybody knew we were playing cover two. Everybody knew what defenses we were running. But it was, you know, it is about the players actually going out and making plays and just saying, you know what, making that decision, I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to do this, I'm going to have to do that, I'm going to have to do my job, and that's it. During your time in the league, it seemed like it was the Patriots and the Colts going at it every year in the playoffs. Obviously, having Brady and Manning certainly helped solidify that rivalry, but I'm curious, looking back at those New England teams, do you view them with respect or is there still kind of hatred there? Well, you can respect the hell out of a team and hate the hell out of them. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I hate these dudes. I still kind of do. But I respect them because they win. And whatever they're doing over there, they've won a lot of games over a lot of years with a lot of right. different teams. You know, Brady goes down with a certain injury. Another guy steps up and it's like, then I'm missing the beat. It was just what they did. And... They did it better than most people, all right? That system that they had, it was, it, they did not beat themselves, all right? They were going to be more prepared than you were, right? That's kind of their mentality, all right? So they didn't go in and try to reinvent the wheel. They were very conservative from an offensive standpoint. Brady was in an awesome system. He was blessed with that type of system because he couldn't just throw any pass that he wanted and do whatever he wanted to do, at least in the beginning and probably towards the end and probably the reason why he ended up leaving. <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, he was in a system where, hey, look, this is not open. Throw your check down. Let your guys make the plays for you. And he was in that same system for so many years. It was like he could do a blindfold at this point. He didn't have many different offensive coordinators, Different system, different head coach where you had to all of a sudden learn something different. It was just showing up to work and just getting better and sharpening your sword and just getting better. And that's what they had offensively. And defensively, they had some great defensive teams, you know, where they had a system that they believed in. Belichick, that's where he hangs his hat is on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, he there's no mistake how many Super Bowls he's won prior to the Patriots or been, been a part of. And uh, he carried that same mentality over 
to the Patriots. And, you know, when their offense was only doing, doing absolutely nothing and they had 10 points, you were like, yeah, we're going to kick their ass. And we look over on the other side and Peyton's struggling and, and whatever it is. And now it's a, it's a 13 to 10 game. When we're scoring 30, 40 points on everybody else, we're only scoring 13, 16, 17 points on them. The system, they had an awesome system. 16 years, man. That's a long time. Do you miss it? Well, I always say I I miss Sundays, but everything else you got. <laughs> I, mean, I am not. Monday through Saturday, hey, that, that's why I always just say, you, you're paying me for Monday through Saturday. And Sundays, I will do for free. I, I love I love Sunday. I will always love Sunday. If someone called me tomorrow and said, Dwight, I need you to just lace him up one more time, I'll be there, I promise you. Now, I don't know how my body's going to feel the next day. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, the plays I'm going to run is a hamstring and a quad and a, and a pulled groin, right? But all I know is I'm going to go out there and have a good time. Well, I couldn't agree more. I appreciate you. I miss playing against you as well. I miss those battles. And I'm sure the NFL misses you. Maybe not some of those tackles, though. I don't think they miss you very much. (laughs) But I appreciate you, brother. I I wish you nothing but the best. And uh, excited to see what you do in this next phase of your life. No, I appreciate you, man. You take care of yourself and thank you for having me. You can listen to Block Forever and other sports content on Audible. Audible is the home of storytelling, audiobooks, originals, podcasts, and more. Start listening free at audible.com. A lot of teams are kicking themselves for not realizing just how good Tyler Linderbaum was going to be in this league. Selected 25th in last year's draft, almost every team could have had Tyler anchoring their line for the potential next decade. But drafting an offensive lineman in the first round, you know, it's not always the sexiest pick, nor is it usually what fans want. But I bet you if you ask Steelers fans now if they'd rather have the QB they took or Linderbaum, pretty sure we'd know what the answer would be. I spoke with Linderbaum about some of the reasons behind his smooth transition from college to the NFL and what parts of his game he's still honing. Here's my conversation with Tyler Linderbaum. Tyler, what's up, man? How's it going? Good to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Thanks for having me. Great, great season, man, you're having. It's been fun watching you. Got to keep it rolling, man. You been having fun? Yeah, it's been an awesome first year, especially with the guys on the team. A lot of great guys, so it's been very easy transition from college to here. So, Give me a quick Cliff Notes version of you becoming a center. I'm always curious. I want to know how this Iowa kid got into playing football and specifically offensive line. I guess it kind of started back in high school. So my junior, senior year, I played the center position and I was on the D-line, but I got recruited to go to Iowa as a defensive lineman. Um, but I, I played two years in high school as an offensive lineman as well, um, playing center. But then I got to college and I was on the D-line to start with for the whole year. And then one day after the whole, the whole season was over with, you know, we're in bowl prep. Coach Ferentz kind of called me in his office and said they wanted to switch me over to the offensive line and center. I was like, shoot, like, sure. It's like, whatever you want, coach. Um, you know, especially to be a Coach Ferentz, like he, you know, I think. Like in the sense in the meeting, like he believed that I could do it. Um, he believed in me. I love that though. You're just like, I'm going to figure out how to do it. I don't know. I don't know how, but it's, we'll, we'll make it work. That's the thing. And 
There's a one of my buddies, you know, my quarterback um, in college, sent me a video of four years ago today. Um, it was me and him taking snaps in the dorm room. Um, so everywhere we were taking snaps together. I was just trying to get familiar with the position, get familiar with you know being comfortable in my stance. Um, and that was definitely hard at first, just because I was I'm, I'm, I was a D lineman, so I was just really not used to that. And also, I mean, not to harp on snapping, but it is a big part of playing center. Snapping and moving at the same time, that's what people don't realize is you, you don't just snap and then go do your move. It has to be at the same time. And it's so hard. It's a different snap when you step to your right. It's a different snap when you step to your left, when you set back in a pass set, when you're lunging forward. You almost have to like kind of keep a catalog in your head of all the different kinds of snaps you need to make sure you get them perfect every time. Right. How much of that were you leaning on somebody? Was there somebody you were picking their brain on on how to do it? Or was it just you trial and error just teaching yourself? I think a lot of it was trial and error. You know, I would go with um, my buddy um, who's a quarterback into the indoor facility and just snap. And for me, it was just, you know, trying to get that all the snaps that I missed in my first year because I was on the defensive line. So trying to catch up on the time I would have had. So just getting that repetition, getting comfortable was very important. And as you go, as you continue to snap everything, you'll notice like things are just different with different, you know, play calls. You know, if you're running outside zone versus inside zone, or if you're passing, you know, setting back to your left or to your right, you know, you got to learn the little, the little things that a center has to deal with. And that was just something that I kind of had to learn on my own. And then, you know, spring ball was huge with that too. You know, at that point, you know, nothing matters because we're just practicing. So, but that was a great time for me to try to get better and, um, you know, focus on the things that I needed to focus on to, you know, get ready for, for uh, the season. As a fellow center, can you explain to people how hard it is to shotgun snap? I don't think people realize how hard it is. I, when I was at SC, we never did shotgun snap ever. Everything was under center. Then when I got to the pros, we did a lot of it in third down, and I was terrified because you can be in practice and shotgun snap, you know, just sitting there and get a million clean snaps. But then when you got to move, when you got to take on a bull rush or you see guys moving around, it's hard to keep track of all that and get a snap. And then we drafted Cam Newton and we started doing all kinds of read option stuff. You guys got a similar quarterback that can make plays go with his legs. I had the luxury of like doing baby steps all the way through my career. They threw you right in the fire with all this stuff. So how's it been trying to navigate all that? Yeah, I mean, you know, especially coming from Iowa, we're under center quite a bit. Um, and really the only time we're going in shotgun is, you know, third down stuff. Right. Um, you know, it's definitely been a work in progress. You know, there's still stuff I'm trying to get better at with you know, snapping and shotgun being more consistent, but that's exactly how you got to be. You got to be consistent. And, you know, once in practice, it's one thing, but when the bullets are flying and, you know, you're in a, a third down situation, you know, they're going to be coming off the ball hard. You know, sometimes you do lose track of the simple task of just snapping the football. You know, it's definitely a work in progress, but, you know, we're getting close. The biggest knock on me in my career has always been I'm undersized. I'm an undersized center, but I always made up for it with technique. Technique was always uh, the most important thing for me. I see that in you. You're, you're a really, really technically sound center. You're quick. You do a great job with leverage. In fact, I would argue one of your best assets is your, your ability to get under guys and, and out leverage them. I know you wrestled. How much of that 
plays a big role in your abilities? I think it definitely helps a lot. Just the body positions that you're in, that you learn from that sport definitely translates over. And also I think a big thing for that is just kind of the mentality. Wrestling is the hardest sport that I've done, you know, till this day. Really? In what, in what regards? You know, you go out on that mat and it's one-on-one. -on -one. You can't rely on anyone to your left or anyone to your right. You go out there and everyone's going to know if you got your ass kicked or not. And that's what I had to learn quick my first year of wrestling is, you know, there's really no one who has my back. I'm going to have to go out there and, you know, rely on myself or rely on the things that I've done in practice. Um, so kind of transitioning that into football, um, that mentality has, has certainly helped me. Talk to me about Lamar, what kind of player he is, and, and really, uh, you know, all those assets and abilities he brings to the game. Um, you know, he's a special player. You know, things that he can do on his feet is, is really special. You know, if a play breaks down, you know he's going to find, you know, his way out of it. And then in the run game, you know, it adds a whole different dimension with a QB being able to run the ball. You know, and I think that's what makes it really hard on defenses is you got to stop the run in both in two different aspects. So it's a really fun offense to play in, um, very dynamic. And, you know, with Lamar back there as a quarterback, um, you know, and the things that he can do and the things that he's able to do, it, it's pretty special. What was your big rookie moment for you, sort of welcome to the NFL moment that you've had? In a game or in practice? I'll tell you mine. Yeah, tell me yours. What's yours? Mine was we were doing one-on-ones, and I was going out of my mind against guys who have been six-plus years in a league. There's a big man named Chris Jenkins that I pancaked in front of everybody, and I basically lit a fuse under his ass, and he went out of his way to embarrass me the rest of the rest of the practice. I've had a couple moments like that in practice. Um, you know, Michael Pierce and you know Clay's Campbell, Campbell definitely got me a few times. Um, I think it was the first day in pads in fall camp. Um, I think it was like a pit game. Michael just came and just smoked me and put me on my butt. Um, you know, five yards back into the quarterback. So. That definitely was an experience that you know made me realize like all right like i gotta play with great te technique leverage every single snap because if i don't these guys are bigger and stronger than me and it's gonna make me look bad every single down so having those moments definitely i think help you be a better player but you know in the moment it definitely sucks that's for sure <laughs> clayus is a good player too man he's he can bring the thump too i have i still have bone spurs in my neck from a preseason game where the tight end was supposed to crack down on him and didn't. And I was pulling around and Calais just lit me up and my neck still hurts today. And that was like, uh, that was like seven years ago. That's tough. So that's fun. That's what you get to look forward to, man. You <laughs> got a whole that. career worth of bone spurs. You get to start building up and collecting. Shoot. I'm curious about Harbaugh. I've always been a fan of his. Tell me a little about him and what, you've learned from his coaching philosophies? Um, coach Harbaugh is a great coach. Um, you know, he, he demands a lot of out, out of his players. You know, we practice hard here. You know, we're going to practice hard in fall camp. You know, even OTAs, I feel like, was a little physical. So, um, you know, just kind of having that mentality, um, I think, is big for a team. You know, especially come, you know, December, January football. You know, you know what he expects from us and how we should be able to play the game. Um, that's what you appreciate out of a coach. Well, man, I appreciate you jumping on. Uh, I can sit here in chat center, talk with you all day. Uh, wish you the best of luck. Stay healthy. And uh, let's do this again some other time. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here. Thanks, brother.
The Legend of Brandon Scherf. That's how Sports Illustrated titled the article about the Jaguars guard when describing his Paul Bunyan-esque athletic exploits in high school and college. Definitely the only offensive lineman who credits his tennis game with helping him make it to the league. Uh, Brandon played seven seasons in Washington. Sheriff now anchors the line in front of Trevor Lawrence for the emerging Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's my conversation with one of the best guards in the National Football League, Brandon Scherf. Brandon, what's up, bud? Hey, how's it going? Good. Good to talk to you again. Yep, same to you. I want to go back to Iowa. I heard something interesting about you that you played quarterback before you ever got down in a three-point stance. Talk me through this. I got to understand this. This is like an offensive lineman's dream. Um, so, yeah, I played a quarterback. Um, I was always the biggest kid in my class. Seventh grade was our, was when we could start tackle football. Played quarterback there through eighth grade. Uh, freshman year, played quarterback for my freshman, freshman team. Sophomore year, played quarterback for the varsity team. And then uh, junior year, I got recruited by Iowa there and I was like I better switch over then I played tight end the rest of my junior year and then went to a three-point stance my senior year <laughs> playing quarterback how was your passing skills in high school oh they're pretty good I mean I could I could chuck the ball what kind of offense did you guys run pro style but you know any any quarterback sneak I was at least guaranteed five yards wait how big were you I was 295 pounds you had to just be mauling guys that was kind of fun. Does uh, Jacksonville have you as any kind of emergency kicker slash quarterback situation? So there was a joke that we need to do a quarterback sneak with me one time. We have to make that happen. I'm going to campaign like hell yeah, for that. Yeah, campaign. That has, That's fine. That has to. Ha- that has to happen. Yeah, we'll leave the we'll leave the ball security stuff to all the skill guys though. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm way I'm way past that uh, holding the ball or running the football. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, so you go to tight end, and then when do you make the switch to offensive line? My senior year. Your senior year, and then what yep. was that? Obviously, you got to work on it during the off season. So, what what were you working on from transitioning from quarterback to tight end to offensive line? I mean, it was it was fun uh, putting your hand in the dirt, and you know, you get that uh, enjoyment of moving people against their will. You know, getting out in space and just flying around. Like I love getting out on screens. I love pulling. I love doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I know you do too. It's just a whole new world for me, and I was uh, I'm thankful that. Uh, that they found, uh, you know, an offensive lineman and an old quarterback. So, what uh, what other sports did you play? So, my freshman year, I did football, basketball, and then the spring, I went from track practice to tennis practice to baseball practice in the spring. Holy cow! So I did tennis. Yep. And then uh, it just got too much. So then I went uh, football, basketball. Uh, I threw shot and disc, and then uh, baseball all the way up until my senior year, and then I obviously went to Iowa, so I didn't play baseball my senior summer. Of all those sports you played, which one do you think had the most influence or the most support in transitioning to offensive line? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you could put you could put um, basketball, you could put tennis in there too. With you know the the footwork, the agility stuff that that move it takes to to move across the court. I mean, you could put shot put in there with the the you know the quickness, the explosion that you have mm-hmm. to have, you know the leverage. Um, that you have to have the, to get a good throw and shot put. Um, I mean, you could you could put them all in there too. So I would uh, I would I would say they all helped. You had a dominant career in Iowa. I loved watching your highlights. 2015, you were the fifth pick overall. Uh, how did you feel coming in? Did you feel like you could play right away? Was there did it take some time for you to get comfortable? Uh, well, I got drafted to play right tackle, and then I met Ryan Kerrigan's uh, long arm for a couple weeks. You know, <laughs> and they moved me to guard and. Uh, Coach Callahan, I mean, he 
Uh, he worked his ass off on me. We had the Texans there for hard knocks, and my first, I think my first or second practice at guard, I was taking one-on-one reps with J.J. Watt, and he just, I think he okie-doked me and just ran by. And everybody's like, I remember him saying, uh, oh, great rush. He's like, nah, it's, he's just a rookie. And I was like, oh, yep, true, probably. What was your sort of welcome to the NFL moment? Talk me through that. I mean, my welcome to the NFL moment was the first two games that we played. Uh, my first start was uh, Nadamakan Su and uh, Cameron Wake. And then we the next game was Robert Quinn, Chris Long, and Aaron Donald. Then obviously we have Fletcher Cox in the division. And then I went against uh, Gerald McCoy that year too. And that was, I mean, that's just a welcome, you know, it never gets, never gets any easier. Fletcher Cox is so damn strong. Oh, that, yeah. damn, that damn bull rush. I hated that thing so much. I always said with Fletcher, you just had to die slowly. Yeah, we call it dying a slow death. Yeah, that's it. Yep. It's like the opposite of outrunning the bear. You just have to, you got to be slower than the rest of the guys around you. For sure. Last thing, favorite thing about playing on Sundays? Uh, favorite thing about playing on Sundays. Uh, it's like you're a little kid, you're living a dream. Uh, you know, uh, I remember sitting there thinking about playing football, playing on Friday nights, and then obviously running out of the tunnel at Iowa, and then, you know, playing at FedEx Field and playing here. It's it's just amazing, you know, the crowd, just being out there with everybody and, and you know, just going to war with everybody and just, uh, like I said, living a dream. It's I'm grateful for this opportunity. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks again for coming on and wish you the best of luck finishing out this season. Sounds good. Thank you. A huge thank you to my guests today, Dwight Freeney, Tyler Linderbaum, and Brandon Scherf. And I just want to give a big thank you to Audible, again, for giving me this platform to have conversations about, I mean, really all the little things that make the game of football so great. Not to mention the most important thing to my heart, a place to talk about offensive line play, which maybe I'm biased, but might be the most under-discussed aspect of all professional football and possibly the most complex. Final reminder, Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime this week. It's the Cowboys at Titans. Make sure to tune in. I know I will. And that's a wrap. Season one, Block Forever. Really, truly, sincerely enjoyed having these conversations. It's been a fun, fun journey. Look forward to talking to you again. Till next season. This has been an Audible original production of Block Forever, produced by Fresh Produce and Audiorama. Matt Waxman is our lead producer. Sound design and edit by Kenny Holmes. Our producers are Kenny Holmes and Matt Schrader. Production assistant, Ben Gerstel. And our talent booker is Kristen Dunn. For Audible, executive producer, Pat Shaw. For Audiorama, the executive producer, well, that's me, Ryan Khalil. For Fresh Produce Media, executive producers, Colin Moore, Joe Killian, and Jason Ross. Head of production, Elena Bobbins. Our supervising producer is Jamila Zara-Williams. Production coordinator, Henry Koch. And our production manager is Herminio Ochoa. Special thanks to Powerhouse Capital and Mikey Fowler. And I'm your host, Ryan Khalil. Copyright 2022 by Audiorama Inc. Sound recording copyright 2022 by Audible Originals, LLC.